Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors and over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 6, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them upon your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. And here's what I'm convinced, that the United States government will never teach your children the things of God. Hello again and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch. If you've been searching for a place to be spiritually fed, you have found it. Like you, we believe the Holy Bible contains the spiritual nourishment we need to become faithful servants God requires to help grow His kingdom here on earth. This program is part of an outreach ministry from Shepherd Church, located in Los Angeles, California. Our teaching pastor is Dudley Rutherford, and we join him right now with today's message. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Oh, it is full. The church is full today. The period of this book, The Judges, is a window of a little bit over 300 years. I have four major points. The first major point is this. They are kingless. They don't have a king. I want you to write that down. This is the period of Judges. This is the year approximately 1375 B.C. Now, in the book of Judges, there are 12 judges. You have Othniel, Ehud, Shamgar, Deborah. Everyone say Deborah. You have Gideon, Tola, Jer, Jephthah, Ibzon, Elon, Abdon, and Samson. There's 12 of them in all. There's only one woman on the list. And thus the title of the sermon. A good woman and a few good men. Amen? Now each, each of the 12 judges, I could do a whole sermon on, all right? So it, it could take us three months to go through here, and I'm going to try to do it in just a few, a few minutes. Ha, 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 ha. It's very difficult. But anyway, now in the Old Testament, you know, we think of a judge, someone who sends people to jail. Uh, but in this day, judges were, they were in leadership position of the, of the country because there were no kings yet. They also protected the law. They did do that. And they were sent to deliver and to free the Israelites from their bondage. Now, after Joshua dies, as we dive into the book of Judges, the people made two huge mistakes. Number one, write this down. The first mistake they made, they did not drive out the pagan Canaanites or their idol-worshiping ways. When Israel went into the land of Canaan, God had told them that there were Canaanites who lived in there. 
There were some Ammonites, God told them. And when you get in there, he told them to drive all those evil nations out and to get rid of all the idols and the idol worshiping, but they did not do what God asked. I want you to look in your Bibles, go down to verse 28, chapter 1, verse 28. The Bible says that when Israel became strong, they pressed the Canaanites into forced labor. Now, I find that very interesting because they themselves had been enslaved for 430 years. You would think that they would understand the ugliness of slavery. If you look at the next few verses, verses 29 through 33, I'll put a summation up here on the screen. Nor did Ephraim drive out the Canaanites, neither did Zebulun drive out the Canaanites, neither did Asher, neither did Naphtali. Now, they were supposed to. And what God was afraid of, and rightly so, that if they got in there and they didn't drive out all the Canaanites, they didn't drive out all the pagan ways of worship, he was afraid that his people, the Israelites, would end up being influenced by that culture. He was afraid that even the Israelites might possibly end up worshiping some of those false gods. And that is exactly what happened. They got into that land. They did not drive them out. They kept, they kept them around. Uh, they kept some of the culture. And according to the Bible, the Israelites actually started worshiping false gods. Can you imagine that? So that's mistake number one. They did not drive out the Canaanites. Number two, here's the second major mistake. They failed to teach the children the things of the Lord. It is so sad. Go to Judges chapter 2. After that whole generation had been gathered to their forefathers, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. What happened there? What happened there? They failed to teach the next generation the things of God. Someone said that Christianity is just one generation away from extinction. And that's true. In verse 11, it says, Judges 2.11, that Israel, then Israel did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And how did it happen? They failed to teach the next generation. They disobeyed God by not driving out the Canaanites, and they disobeyed God when they failed to teach the younger generation. And then began this cycle that happens over and over and over and over and over again. There's got four parts to the cycle. Turn your notes over, and here's the first part of the cycle. is sin. People sin. They take their eyes off of God, and they start to sin. They start to do what they want to do. They, they do what, what makes them feel good. And they stop acknowledging God, and they start living a life of sin. Let's look at verse 11 in your notes. i got to go through this. It says that the Israelites, verse 11, they did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and they served the, what's it called? The Baals. I actually have a, sta- a picture of one. They, they, archaeologists have found these all over the, the land of Israel when they dig. They find these little statues. And this is, what, this is what they served. And the word Baal actually means owner or Lord. This was their Lord. This was their God. They worshiped that statue. Look down at verse 12. 
They forsook the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of Egypt, and here it is, they followed and they worshiped various gods of the peoples around them. See, they should have been driven, they should have driven all those people out, but they kept them around and that culture began to influence them and eventually the Bible says they followed and worshiped various gods of the peoples around them and the Bible says this provoked the Lord to anger. Verse 13, because they forsook him and served Bel and the Ashtoreths, which is a female counterpart to Bel. I want you to turn to whoever you're sitting next to and say these words, God is a jealous God. Say that. God is a jealous God. And what does that mean? That means that God was the one that created you. And God's the one that put you on his planet. And he doesn't want you worshiping anything other than him. He wants to be number one in your life. When he gave us the commandments, commandment number one. No other gods besides me. You remember? And commandment number two, don't ever make any graven images. There should be no other idols or graven images before me. No graven images. And whenever we take God off the throne and we put something else up there, that thing that we put up there more important to God becomes an idol to us. I am convinced, and we can argue about it, But I'm convinced we have more false idols today than they did back in Joshua's day. We worship all kinds of idols. Hollywood stars, movie stars, athletes. Man, they're like gods, especially here in California. And money, money has become a god. Uh, I think I think I think social media has become a god. Some people can't live without their social media. Social media for some people is more important than God. Chocolate can be a god. <laughs> I know for a fact because I've seen it. For some people, Starbucks is a god because they wake up and they're like zombies. Ah, where's the Starbucks? Where's the Starbucks? Gotta find Starbucks. Bible, forget that. Where's my Starbucks? And it's really not that even good coffee. I mean, if you're a true coffee connoisseur, it's not good coffee. But it's it's become a God to us. Sports has become a God to us. Relationships. How many people do you know have sold their soul for a relationship? They they deny God uh, for a relationship. And and, and all those things in and of themselves are not wrong. What's, what's, What's wrong with them is when... When you worship them more than you worship God. And so the question is, is there anything in your life that is more important to you than God? Step number one of the cycle is sin. Number two, write this down, is oppression. Evil nations begin to rule. Whenever the people sinned, God allowed an an evil nation to come and actually rule over Israel. Go down to verse 14. The Bible says in his, in his what? In his anger. Now, listen, I know that God is a God of love, but I'm so sick of people saying anytime, anytime you're talking about sin, or, hey, God is a God of love. Oh, he is a God of love. Let me tell you, he also gets upset. In love, he gets upset. And what does he get upset with? What does God get? He gets upset about sin. Next time someone is sinning, don't say, hey, God is love, everything's over. No, God wants you to get rid of that sin. He wants you to confess that sin. 
He sent Jesus to die for that sin. And so these people here, that says in verse 14, in his anger against Israel, the Lord handed them over to raiders who plundered them. And this next line is a line of slavery. He sold them, just like you sell a slave. He said he sold them to their enemies all around when they were no longer able to resist or to defeat. And verse 15 says, now watch this, whenever Israel went out to fight, the hand of the Lord was what? Against them. Now you remember last week? God said, I will be with you. And they went out and they defeated 31 kings. 31 kings they defeated because the Lord was with them, because they were being obedient. Now they're being disobedient. And it doesn't say, look at that verse 15, it doesn't say that God's going to remove his hand of blessing. It says that God's going to take his hand and actually use it against them to defeat them. Just that he had sworn as he had promised them. And the people said that they were in great distress, I shall say so. And I have, if you look on that chart, I've got a list of all the nations that came in and ruled. The Mesopotamians came in for eight years and ruled Israel. The Moabites then ruled for 18. The Canaanites ruled for 20. The Midianites ruled for 7. The Ammonites ruled for 18. The Philistines reigned uh, uh, reigned for 40 years. You add all that up, it's 111 years. You remember that number I told you at the start of the sermon? How long a time period are we talking about? A little over 300 years, which means about a third, one-third of this period these people lived in slavery because of their sin. One day God, he raised up the judge Othniel to, to deliver the Israelites from the Mesopotamians. Then he raised up Ehud to deliver the Israelites from the Moabites. Then he raised up Deborah to deliver them from the Canaanites. He, he raised up Gideon to deliver them from the Midianites. He raised up a Jephthah to deliver them from the Ammonites. He raised up a Samson to deliver them from the Philistines. And you can write this down. He raised up a judge named Orkan to deliver them from the termites. No, that's not in the Bible. That, that, last, one's not, that last one's not in there. And then you come to stage number three of the cycle, which is repentance, where Israel then turns back to God. Judges chapter 3. Now you're in chapter 3, verse 9. It says that the people cried out. Everyone say cried out. They cried out to the Lord, and he raised up for them a deliverer. Do you know why the people cried out to God? Do you know why? Because that little statue thing they were worshiping couldn't help them. That's why. You worship the little idol, you worship the little idol, and then one day you wake up and you really find yourself in trouble, and you go to the little statue and say, hey, can you help me here? That little statue can't help you. So they had to cry out to God. And right now, right now, some of you are engaged in sin. Right now, you've, got your, you've taken God out of your life. You've got a little idol there. It might be money. It might be immorality. It might be a relationship. It's something that you worship, something that's more important to you and God. And one day you're going to wake up and you're going to find yourself in absolute uh, chaos, disarray. And you're going to cry out. You're going to cry out to the bottle and the bottle's not going to save you. You're going to cry out for the drug and the drug won't save you. You're going to try out for the sex, but the sex won't save you. 
Because you see, there's only one thing that can truly deliver you, and that's Almighty God. And the, the people of Israel finally realized, hey, we got to cry out to God. Okay? And, and, and repentance, repentance is not just being sorry you got caught. Repentance is when you acknowledge what you're doing is wrong, and you go to God and you say, God, I am sorry. I'm going to turn away from this sin, and I'm going to start to follow you. That's what repentance is, and that's what Israel did. And that brought us to point number four of the cycle, is that God would then raise up a judge to save them, to deliver them, as the Bible describes. And they would complete this live honoring God and serve. You would think that would be the end of the cycle. But something happened that caused the cycle to continue to happen. I want you to look at chapter 2 and look down at verse 19. It's really, this is sad. It says that when the judge died, God, at the end of the cycle, after the judge delivered them, when the judge died, the people returned to ways even more corrupt than those of their fathers, following other gods and serving and worshiping them, and they refused to give up their evil practices and stubborn ways, and then the cycle started again. Die hard two, die hard three, die hard four, die hard five. It just goes on and on and on. And today, there are those here today caught up in that same cycle. There are people here today engaged in sin. And because of that sin, you're you're living an oppressed life. You're not living in victory. And you're going to stay in that miserable state until you come to your senses, until you repent. And you turn from your sins and you acknowledge God and you live for God. Because if you'll do that, according to the Word of God in 1 John 1, 9, God sent a judge, he sent a deliverer named Jesus to save us. And the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, that he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness, praise God. He also said in Psalm 32, verse 5, when I acknowledged my sin and I did not cover up my iniquity, I said... I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. You forgave the guilt of my sin. find it very interesting that all these people at the end of this cycle, they would serve God until the judge died. And as soon as the judge died, they stopped serving God. And I'm looking at the judge that God sent to us named Jesus. He died too. Only difference is after three days, he resurrected. He's been living forever. So you and I should never turn back on God. As I close, two things, as we close, two things that can break the cycle, okay? We've got to figure out how to break the cycle. Number one, you have to eliminate any area of, dis, any area of disobedience in your life. You've got you've to break. Is there anything in your life? Is there any area? You say, I'm doing 100 things right. Can I do two things wrong? The answer to that is no. You're living in disobedience. Do not justify your disobedience. You want to break this cycle and get out from underneath this oppression and have victory? Stop living in defeat? 
Is there any area of your life where you're living in disobedience? And you need to hand that over to God. Amen? The second way you break the cycle is we've got to teach the next generation the things of God. We've got to pass the baton. We had some staff members who went to a conference, and when they came back, I said, hey, what was, the, what was your favorite part of the conference? And they all told me about a lady who spoke, and she used the analogy of the United States, the women's track team, for two Olympics, back-to-back. They trained four years. On paper, they were the best team, but they lost because they couldn't pass the baton. So they trained another four years. They came back four years later, and on paper, the United States track team was favored to win four years later, and again they lost because they couldn't pass the baton. And I will tell you right now, on paper, this is a good church, and we're going to win the battle if we can pass this to the next generation. Okay? The Bible says in Deuteronomy 6, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. And verse 7 says, impress them upon your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. And here's what I'm convinced. I am convinced it's a fact that the United States government will never teach your children the things of God. I am convinced it's a fact that the public school system in America will never teach your child the Word of God. Well, who's going to teach them? It's got to be the church. It's got to be you and me. And if we don't, God's either going to remove his hand, which I think he's already doing, or he's going to use that hand actually against us. Oh, God would never do that. Oh, yes, he will. That is the story of the book of Judges. Let's stand and bow our heads forward to prayer. It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every day. We exist only by our faithful partners who support us through their prayers and financial gifts. If Pastor Dudley's message has been a blessing to you, we would like to encourage you to consider joining in partnership with us so we can continue to be here every day to bless others with this important ministry. Your gifts, whether large or small, are greatly appreciated and go directly to help keep us on the air. You can find out more about supporting us by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. We have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. Wouldn't it be great if there were accessible answers to our spiritual problems? Just like there's a smartphone app for calculating a tip or getting directions to a local store. Most of us have heard the phrase, there's an app for that, popularized by the creators of the iPhone. Well, God has an app for the common problems faced by Christians everywhere. 
Are you stressed out? God has an app for that. Problem with crude language or gossip? Struggling with prejudice? Brokenhearted? Anxious? Or depressed? God has an app for that too. Pastor Dudley's book, God Has an App for That, is available now for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. This helpful resource can be yours right now by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. You can also get God Has an App for That on our website, liftupjesus.com. That address again is liftupjesus.com. Come and explore the book of James and discover God's user-friendly solutions for some of the biggest challenges we all face daily. Get your copy of Pastor Dudley's book, God Has an App for That, today. Hello, friends. My name is Dusty Frizzell, and I want to invite you to our new Thursday night service at Shepherd Church. That's right. We're adding a fourth service starting May 5th. Worship service starts at 7 p.m., and it's for all ages, but we're going to have food trucks before the service. In the first few weeks, the food is going to be free. We'll be following the same sermon series as the weekends, and you'll hear from myself, from some of my friends, and even from Pastor Dudley. So if you'll be gone on a weekend, or you just want to open up some seats for others on the weekends, join us on Thursdays starting May 5th at 7 p.m. I hope to see you there. All information on dates, service times, and locations can be found on our website, shepherdchurch.com. I'm Kyle Welch. We invite you to join us every weekday at this time when we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. 